welcome to another episode of the SD4L show. I'm Justin Thin. I'm here with my co-host Matt Shan. Matt's been a couple Let's weeks. Go. How you been? Let's How you go. Been? I'm, I'm fired up to be here. Jonathan Smith has the train rolling in the transfer portal. Uh, basketball going a lot better than other programs can say in this state. So, uh, JT, I am quite peachy right now. And Justin, you know, let me spin it to you right now. And before I even ask you the question. My wife says hello, by the way, before I hopped in the Ooh. studio. She said, hey, hello, Tom BTS said hi. Like, that will blow him away. He has no idea what you even look like. But, okay, so you have at least one fan out there, JT. But, at least we know that someone's watching the show now. I, and I have to pay her to do so. But, yeah, like someone out there certainly either does way, watch. Either um, way, we appreciate the, the paid viewer yeah. and hello back. A view is a view. Uh, now, with that said, JT, how you doing, man? We doing okay over there? How, how are you? We're doing no one well. ever cares to ask you. Yeah, man. It's it, no one's asked me since the nine or so days that since we've done the, the, the last podcast. Um, so, with that said, about the the portal and all of that and how that's going, I'm I'm honestly kind of surprised that we're still having news to cover, and I'm very fortunate and and kind of glad yeah. that that's the case. Um, with the portal obviously closing in terms of kids entering, kids can still decide and make commitments um, when they're in there. But I didn't know that so many guys would kind of continue to be brought in. Right now in the scholarship chart that I kind of have, I think I have them at 88 or 89 scholarships. Okay. Um, I don't know if I actually updated that yesterday, or sorry, today after the Wayne Matthews commitment, but I think 88 or 89. So um, yeah, very, very busy uh, portal season for them so far. Going to be busy in the spring as well. So another coach that they're going to be hiring to fill out the staff. So I'm glad that it hasn't slowed down yet. No, I mean, it gives us something to talk about, something to look forward to. And there's been some time since we last talked, JT. So let's go through everything that has happened in and out of the transfer portal since the last time we recorded here. And then we're going to go back, talk about these kids, what position group is strongest, all that good stuff. So Charles Brantley withdraws his name from the portal. He is back at MSU, as with Maverick Hansen as well. He pulled his name out of the portal, or I guess he was never in the portal. He just announced that he is returning to Michigan State, is how we will word that. Defensive end Chris Bogle, he withdraws his name from the transfer portal. And then here are your transfers, North Dakota transfer quarterback Tommy Schuster to Michigan State, Oregon State transfer Tanner Miller to Michigan State, Texas A&M quarterback Tony Grimes to Michigan State, Western Michigan punter Carson Voss commits to Michigan State, Georgia Tech defensive tackle Daquan Dallas commits to Michigan State, and then Old Dominion linebacker Wayne Matthews the third commits to Michigan State. That information courtesy of Spartans Illustrated, by the way, so as I'm reading that list, Go ahead and subscribe to the fine folks over there. But, yes, no boring days here in East Lansing. And there is one more I do have to add. Jacoby Winman, not in the portal, not going Ooh. to another school, not coming to Michigan State, unfortunately, off to the – well, fortunately, he's going off to the NFL. Sad for us fans <laughs> like me. But for him, right. go chase your dreams, young man. Let's let's get that bread. So that's uh, the other piece of news as well. Yeah, and it was good to change in the column of departures, Jacoby Winman's uh, Kyle Nexon going from portal to graduated. Um, you know, I think that is fortunate, even, even setting aside yeah. the positive positivity that it gives. For That's the spirit. The That's the spirit. I like that. It's yeah. It's been so, <laughs> so yeah, a lot of, a lot of pickups here in the last several days. Um, they've done a great job of, as we've covered in the past of getting guys that are all going to contribute right yeah. now in the spring. We'll see if they take flyers. Um, not opposed to that, but like I said, the last staff was taking flyers as early as they were taking guys that they thought were going to start. And then if a kid entered three weeks later, that was starting quality at a position you already took a flyer at, that didn't necessarily help the roster kind of make up. So 
these guys have made sure every single kid they've taken so far is a confirmed sort of a concrete surefire contributor or two deep kind of a guy. Um, yep. Obviously, Thomas Schuster, um, you're hoping that Aiden Childs doesn't get hurt and, and you don't need to go to him. But I guess kind of just starting with him, Matt, you and I had talked a lot on the show um, over like messaging and just kind of talking about like what kind of a quarterback could they get? Could they convince to come and be a right. backup here? You were, not, at least from, I've, I guess I'll speak for myself. I was not expecting that they would have someone this polished come in. What were you mm-hmm. thinking before they got Tommy Schuster? The, the names I had circled were the two names. Uh, and these are just examples. These weren't like the surefire guys, but guys like Carlos Davis. Now, who is he? No one has any idea who that is, at least in their right mind should know who that is. He was from Temple. He has a fifth year of eligibility. Hey, he didn't really start all the games last year, but come here, power five team, ride the bench behind Aiden Childs. Or a guy like Joey Yellen, someone who was a starter at Hawaii for the first four games, lost their spot, but a guy that's been in college for four or five years. Come on over, at least end with a power five team, even as a backup. Get yourself some nice NIL money. Get yourself some sweet sideline gear, but... Someone like that, someone that's been here for three, four years in the college game, whether it be FCS, group of five, or just a career backup in Power Five, and then come here to Michigan State. Looks like they got that with the FCS level, but not a backup, certainly. How about a (laughs) record smasher over at North Dakota? Most passing yards, most touchdowns, highest completion percentage. They made the FCS playoffs every year he was there before he even showed up to North Dakota. Only one playoff appearance, so... This kid was the real deal at FCS. Now, with that said, still fully expect him to be the backup to Aiden Childs, but that is, that's nice because, whoo boy, I mean, God forbid if Aiden Childs gets dinged up in a game, I'm very, I'm very happy with the two true freshmen that we do have in this class, but I'm never comfortable just flipping the keys over to a true freshman JT. I don't think that's a hot take necessarily either. So nice to get experience in the quarterback room. That was good analysis at all, Matt, but you forgot the most important bullet point about Tommy. Oh, lay it on me. Lay it on me. He represents Macomb County. Macomb, let's put go. on the map. That's right. Stand up. That's right. <laughs> waited, waited so many years, I guess three and a half years of covering MSU recruiting to finally, finally have a kid cover a kid who played high school ball within like a three to five minute drive of my house. And yep. yet it would ended up being a portal kid um, who let's I didn't go. get to actually go and cover in person. So we'll take it. We'll take half of the victory there. Um, but yeah, for those that don't know, I went to high school at the International Academy of Macomb, which is shared, like it literally shares the building as Chippewa. So gotcha. I'm, I'm, I'm claiming this win, um, oh, yeah. for, for the hometown and, um, hopefully, well, like you said, hopefully Aiden Child stays healthy and all that, but I don't know. There's a, there's some local pride here. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a better quarterback than I was expecting them to get for sure. All those things you said about the record breaking, um, passing yardage, touchdowns, completion percentage. This is a this is as good of a backup as you could hope for. And I think they were lucky that Tommy obviously had MSU uh, kind of influences growing up in the state of Michigan, and that helped get this done. So that was great to see. Who kind of sticks out to you next, Matt? Out of all these options that we can talk about from the portal. I hate to be prisoner of the moment, but I'd love to talk about the guy that committed today out of Old Dominion yes. to complete the Messiah DeWeaver trade with the Monarchs, mm-hmm. may I add. Let, let's not let that storyline just fly out the window here. But Wayne Matthews III commits to Michigan State, linebacker, three-year player for Old Dominion. So this guy is seasoned. He had the 11th uh, most tackles in the nation last year. But also why I want to talk about this guy is that his pass coverage grade per PFF was an 893 
That is 11th best amongst linebackers in the FBS, not just group of five, but all of FBS. So, no, it's not just us, you know, just throwing you a bunch of green and white smoke at you and saying, hey, just love this kid blindly. The ball knowers, the ball lovers at PFF are also very high on this kid as well. And what did we and many other fan bases, not just Michigan State fans, but other fan bases around the country just plead for in the transfer portal? It's a coverage linebacker because everyone needs a pass coverage linebacker. But they're very far and few between to find in the college game. A lot easier to say it than to actually do it. Mm-hmm. My goodness gracious, they they found themselves a dandy of a one in, yeah. in the transfer portal here out of Old Dominion. That's very well said, especially uh, the point about how it's harder in the college game. Because if you look at a lot yeah. of the good, unless you're talking about like a Fred Warner or somebody that's just always been kind of on another level, a lot of even the good coverage linebackers in the NFL are guys that played safety in college and that when they got to the NFL, they became converted to linebacker. Like it's not easy for you to find guys that are athletic and big and tough and can fit the run and go ahead and cover in space. So there's not a lot of them. It's, it's a hot commodity anytime there is one. And Michigan State did a great job locking down Wayne Matthews. Even after he gave a verbal commitment to Michigan State, other schools like Coach Prime and um, some other P5 schools were after him as well. So with that all said, I think he's going to be like kind of a surefire starter eventually, if not right away. I guess Mm -hmm. it depends on what the staff thinks they have in Cal Halliday and Jordan Hall and uh, Jordan Turner from Wisconsin. But to me, he's the best coverage linebacker by far out of the three. So even if for some reason he's not one of the starting three or early in the season, he eventually is going to make the field because you're going to eventually kind of get sick of Cal Halliday losing his guy on like a lot of routes that shouldn't be losing his guy on. And Jordan Hall looked good last year, but a, a lot of that coverage kind of compliments that he got was because it was in comparison to Cal. So I think he's a good Mike linebacker, but again, I don't know if you want him running sideline to sideline. And then Jordan Turner, to be honest, I think he's not necessarily a great coverage linebacker either. He's just right. another good run, run stopping kind of linebacker. Um, you could say he's a better version of Cal Halliday, which you'll take the better version of anybody that's on this roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he's the one guy that's different from all the rest of these guys. He has his own mold, his own skill set. Right. So I don't want to make any predictions about the depth chart, but I have a hard time seeing that eventually he wouldn't be a starter if not on day one. And with how much Rossi moves around his formations and schemes, right. it's all fluid. So it's only starter by definition. I mean, it's it's all matchup and situation dependent too, especially under Rossi. I mean, so that mm-hmm. that's just one I had to point out right off the top. And I mean, if you just want me to keep scaling backwards here, I mean, we got to go yeah. to the guy earlier in the week out of Georgia Tech, Daquan Douse. I, that's another instant impact guy. PFF has him as highly rated as the fourth best interior defensive lineman in the nation, which, holy crap, how did this guy get available in the transfer portal? But a very nice pickup for Michigan State. And there is one observation that I, I just want to throw out there. And please check me if you think I'm wrong. You're wrong. But what I probably we'll see. I'm wrong many a times in my life. But it, the, the, I mean, it's not the biggest difference, but a difference I see with this staff and how they're handling the transfer portal and the last staff is that I feel like the last staff, they were building based on frame, physicality, and like numbers. Guys like Dre Butler, Jarrett Jackson, or Jarrett Jack, and guys that just hate. No, okay, it was Jarrett Jackson. <laughs> Jarrett Jack was the Cleveland Cavaliers long time. Oh, sorry, Jarrett Jackson. That, that's so right. <laughs> the guy that looked like he was 47 years old. That's right. God, shoot. Thanks. You know what? And that's not even what I was afraid of being Ron on, too. So here we go. We're just keep, keep on <laughs> keep on rolling in this. Jarrett Jackson. So guys that were 
you know, six, six, you like had, had right. the build of a really good defensive tackle, but just didn't have the numbers or production quite right. there yet. Whereas we have guys like Wayne Matthews from old dominion on the smaller frame for a linebacker or Georgia tech defensive tackle to Quan douse. You're probably wondering, okay, if he's so good, why isn't he just off to the NFL? He's only a six foot one, six foot two guy. So right. it's not like he's this hulking presence. So they're going with more production and proof in the pudding than they are. Okay, you have the frame. Let's see if we can mold you into something right. in our one year that you have here. I, I already got Jared Jackson's name wrong. I should have stuck with my mm-hmm. gut and just went with the first one. But am I wrong twice here with this, or are you no, seeing I, the same I, thing? I, with I think I think that's a great take because there's a lot of guys you especially see in college basketball, right? Like like the six one mm-hmm. point yeah. guard that is probably never going to be fast enough to make up for his lack of height that stays for four years and plays in college where not everyone on your team that you take in has to be a pro potential guy. Not everyone has to be someone that NFL scouts are running to your pro day to go ahead and pick up. Some guy's going to have his two years of of training camp kind of duty and then go make an impact in like the corporate world. And Mel Tucker and, and those guys, I think they were trying to focus on the draft record and being like an NFL pro factory more so than mm-hmm. um, necessarily just taking guys that can win you games right away. And you can do both. Like like James Franklin, I know everyone laughs at him for kind of being a fraud and, and kind of having a glass ceiling, but he's yep. he's found a way to win 10 games most years and still put a lot of guys in the league. So it's not like it's it's a crazy unrealistic thing for non-Blue Bloods to do, but they totally. just didn't hit on him. But these guys, they're just, hey, let's get the guys that can make the most impact for us while they're wearing our colors, and that's all we care about. And I think that was a, that was definitely a good analysis on your part. Hey, th- you know what? I, I got to start pulling my weight here every once in a while. So, yeah. Can we now talk about DJ Augustine and um, Jeff Teague? Yeah. And some other <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we can give some Charlie Villa and a wave of talk here in a hot second. But first, uh, <laughs> no, um, can I – I'm just hijacking this whole show. I'm just making this about like my interest and everything because the next one I want to talk about of this list of the guys in the last few weeks that transferred here is the one I'm most excited about. And it comes from the, just the least sexy position on the field, right? Offensive line because Tanner Miller from Oregon state, this is another guy where, okay, he doesn't have like the frame of an NFL draft pick. He's a little on the shorter side, but dang it in college, if it works, it just works. So here we are, Tanner Miller, interior yes. offensive lineman, giving giving this unit a blessing of his talents, which, by the way, as you already know, ESPN second team All-American. He was an AP midseason All-American, too. This guy is going to be a benefit to this team. That, that I'm comfortable saying. I mean, there are some guys that's like, oh, yeah, maybe they start. No, this guy is going to be instant impact, which is rough. Got me fired Yeah, up. definitely. And – I actually, one thing I wanted to mention about Daquan Douse, uh, because all I did was agree with your assessment yeah, and please, compliment sorry. you, but I didn't add any insight. Um, he had his best games against the best teams on his schedule. Yeah, Georgia, um, yeah. North Carolina, Ole Miss. Those are his three best games this year. Ole Miss and Georgia were top ten teams in the postseason AP poll. He completely showed up in all those games. I think eight tackles against Georgia. Don't have the stats for the other two in my head, but. Wow. He he was he was very good against those teams, um, so much so that I believe he had 38 tackles this year off the top of my head, and 22 of them were from those three games. So oh again, okay. you have to kind of wonder, like, all right, why was the production not as high in the other games? <laughs> right? Um, is it is it because he was like bored, like mailing it in, or was it fatigue? He was playing so many snaps because he was their best defensive tackle. So those those questions I don't have answers to, but 
hey, I'll take a guy that can get you eight tackles from the interior defensive line against Georgia any day of the week and figure out the rest later. Um, because, and again, like if let's say like he's your third best defensive tackle behind Harmon and Barrow, then his, the pressure on him, the snap count on him, the ability to recharge, those are all going to help him be even better. So very yeah. excited with that pickup. Just want to add that tidbit. Tanner Miller, yeah, j- just like your analysis with not necessarily caring about frame and just caring about production, he's a 6-1 center. Um, mm-hmm. I know like the, or I guess interior offensive lineman played right guard for them this year, but also had had previous experience at center. I know the lazy take is comparing every undersized offensive lineman to Jason Kelsey and how, oh, Kelsey was a tight end when he got to Cincinnati. And um, then he was underrated in the NFL draft because he was a small center. And now he's all pro every single year. I get that everyone's Jason Kelsey. Tanner Miller is probably not going to be Jason Kelsey. But the fact of the matter is, is if a kid has evaluative tape that you can look at and say he's good no matter what his measurables mm-hmm. are, and he's better than just good. Like you said, AP midseason All-American, ESPN second yeah. team All-American, Pac-12 second team. When you have a kid like that, and let's say, you know, a nose tackle and a three technique or in a three, four defense gives him trouble, right? Kelsey all the time, like he he admits it on his podcast, like he plays a Vita Vea, right? And he kind of mm-hmm. gets schooled occasionally. But the other 90% of the snaps in the season, he dominates guys that are even close to the size profile that normal traditional defensive tackles are. And if Tanner Miller can do that, just just a home run pickup here because you have like your right tackle spot with Ethan Boyd, I think pretty much shored up. I think Gino Vandermark at right guard is shored up. I think Tanner Miller is going to be your center. That's pretty much shored up. Then I guess maybe left guard, uh, maybe a Chris Phillips. Um, we'll see maybe if they get someone else there, maybe if it's uh, somebody else on the roster. And then left tackle, like maybe Ashton Lepo, maybe Brandon Baldwin, um, yeah. maybe Luke Newman uh, from the portal that sure. they're still in on. So I think you have some pieces here. I don't think the offense line is going to be a lot better than last year because a lot of the names I just said are familiar. And then Tanner mm-hmm. Miller's coming in there and Duplain's gone and we'll see what happens to left tackle. But I think that's as good of a pickup as they've had this offseason. Obviously, Aiden Childs plays the most important position, but I think this was this was as good of a pickup as, as they could have gotten. And there's one more transfer that I want to talk about. And then I'm going to ask you, which was the hardest transfer for Michigan State to get when you factor in Mm. other schools going after them, other Mm. interests? But before we get to that, we do have to talk about Tony Grimes here, former five-star. Of course, he was a three-year starter at North Carolina. Went to Texas A&M, did not take a single snap for the Aggies. He had injuries, and not just the injuries, but it was also cited that the swelling even after the injury, Mm. Peebled was limiting his mobility, is what I read in a few articles. So... Point blank did not play for AM last year. Right. He comes here maybe <laughs> as a quarterback. <laughs> I we might be pumping the brakes on that one. Is that to be correct? Or yeah, I think there's some there's some kind of like inconsistency with like admissions or something like that, and they're trying to work through it. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, like he is committed to Michigan State. Um, if he goes elsewhere, it's only gonna be because of kind of something on that administrative side. Um, no. Nothing, no like wavering of interest. It's just, is he going to be able to come here or is he not going to be able to? Um, so yeah. we'll see. We'll see more on that. But yeah, he was, uh, he was a standout player in North Carolina. Um, he, was a, he was a top 20 player coming out of, out of high school as a five-star. He never lived up to that. Um, I believe he was never more than all ACC honorable mention, even when he was in North okay. Carolina, but he started consistently. Um, he had a lot of pass deflections, I think 20 pass deflections. Um, he was a three-year starter there. Um, he he's a guy that if you look at him and you compare him to all the other portal corner pickups they've had, the Amir Speeds, the Chester Kimbrough, the Ronald Williams, 
um, the Marquis Lowry's, like those guys were all projection based. I know Amir Speed had won the job coming into the season, but then mm-hmm. kind of lost it after he got hurt to Keely Ringo. But like a lot of that was projection. This was not projection. It's just, hey, did that injury heal? If so, then you're looking at a guy that at least can be a rotational corner. I don't right. think he's going to be like a, a surefire starter. I think Rucker and Tatum on the outside were going to be very, fairly competitive. Maybe Charles Brantley. Okay. So he, if he comes here, I don't think he, he should be like a surefire starter in anyone's mind, but he's definitely going to be a better contributor than all the other corners they've gotten in the Mel Tucker era. I got a question because I was wondering, okay, let's say you throw Grimes out there opposite mm-hmm. of Rucker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, regardless, Tatum, maybe maybe goes into that nickel course. I would like that. I would like that. Maybe that's a possibility when you get a guy like Grimes, but again, it's not going to be like that five-star. Two things can be true. You can be very excited about the Grimes pickup, and also he's not going to be this five-star, you know, first day or day two draft. Yeah, yeah. Like, but he can right. still be a solid player overall. So yeah, I for sure. If that bumps Tatum back to the inside, though. I I, I, I would like that. Um, I don't know how, how Tatum would feel about that. I haven't asked him that, mm-hmm. but I know he likes to hit. So I'm assuming that right. he'd, he'd like that. Uh, because like in college, like the nickel position is not the same as like slot corner in the NFL, where like yeah. you'd seen guys like uh, Dominic Rogers Camardi make a career out of just being the, the most right. quick twitchy corner on the team. So they just put him on the inside to guard the speedy slot receiver. That's not how it really is in college. Um, it's more the guy that can help and run support. Um, mm-hmm. If it would have been like the traditional NFL slot corner profile, maybe you'd think a Charles Brantley would be someone that would play in nickel, yeah. but that's not really how it, how it kind of is, is done in college. So that would be interesting. Um, I, I would mm-hmm. be in favor of, of that kind of a move if Grimes Cubs here, if he's good enough to start. Yeah, so I know that was a nice combination of like celebrating Grimes and also yeah. being like, eh, I like pump the brakes and then like he might not even – be here because we hired the University <laughs> of Michigan's admissions person to run our organization for some reason, but yeah. I digress. Um, just but, keep an eye on that. Right. Yeah. But but if if you even like think about like if you zoom out and like if people are like, all right, they're kind of lukewarm on crimes, and I guess I'm kind of lukewarm on Jordan Turner as well. And if you're looking at this and comparing it to like previous portal classes, and they're like, all right, let's say that those two are just average, but they're like rotational guys and they definitely play and maybe start. Think about this floor versus the floor of any previous portal class that they've had. That's a great like call. it's it's yeah. night and day compared to like yeah. saying, all right, Jordan Turner's good, but he's kind of the Cal Holiday mold and he can't help a ton in coverage, versus oh, this guy's like not gonna play any games. He's gonna just waste a lot of lot of snaps and right. like a like a ad <laughs> like a Tunmise Adelaide kind of situation or or I guess guys that, yeah. that are that were far less productive that I could have named instead. So um sure. definitely a definitely a night and day shift. I hear you. So of the guys that we just talked about, is there any that you were really impressed that Michigan State won the talents of here? Yeah, one was impressive, but not not because of, I guess, what Michigan State necessarily did, but because of, kind of because of the kids' approach. Um, so Tanner Miller, um, Florida State had reached out to him right when he entered the portal. Okay. And um, they said, we'd really like you to come down here. Um, we were about to... We're going to be able to give you a lot of resources, a lot of NIL. Um, sure. Definitely come out here. And I think their general manager used to work for Oregon State in a recruiting capacity. Um, so there was some familiarity there, too. And Tanner not only did not have interest in taking an official visit there, he also didn't even have any interest in engaging on numbers or any of that. And uh, it was because his uh, relationship with Coach M, Michigan State's offensive line coach, Jim Masalchek, superseded anything like that. Um, and he kind of basically said, and Silas Bolden as well, and um, 
actually even another uh, transfer guy. His name is escaping me, but the Oregon State defensive end that just quit to Florida State. All three of those guys had said, and now we found that one of them was not necessarily sticking to that, but all three of them had said, if I go away from the West Coast, it'll only be for Michigan State. And it looks like Silas Bolden will probably be staying on the West Coast. Um, Sione uh, something, last name is escaping me, the defensive end. Yeah, so he was the one that didn't end up sticking to that sentiment because he committed to Florida State today. Um, yep. Even though I heard this morning in Michigan State had heard that he was going to go to USC. So that's, ah, that's an L gotcha. on me. So, <laughs> yeah. And then Tanner Miller was the same same token. He said, either I'm staying on the West Coast or I'm going to Michigan State and money's not going to incentivize me. So those were the three guys that said that. And they went ahead and they landed Miller and he didn't even show kind of any sort of interest to Florida State. So, so that's all that said. What what is next for Michigan State here at the transfer portal? I know that you said like they're already in the high 80s for scholarship allotment. Things are going to change here in the spring, but what, mm-hmm. what is the next step? Is there still another position that they absolutely positively have to fill, or do you have a pulse on that? I would say that they need to continue to get bodies at a lot of positions, but I don't think they need to get starters necessarily at many positions. Maybe left tackle if you think that Ashton Lepo is still one more year away or Stan gotcha. Randall is still one more year away and – if you don't like Baldwin's immediate kind of um, like if you want him to battle with somebody else, uh, you know, like who his immediate competitors would be if those two others aren't. So like a Newman who I mentioned um, yep. and then maybe at guard, you want to see if you can bring in someone that can compete with, with big Dooley. If maybe Gavin Brosha still needs another year. And I know he just came off of the knee surgery, but he's, he looks yeah. stronger and faster. So those are the only like starting, starting spots where I think they should get somebody um, I would continue to look for coverage linebacker in, in the spring. Like I, w- I would not be content okay. with the coverage linebacker situation at all. Um, I think defensive tackle, they're mostly good. Um, yeah, I guess, especially like if, if um, Dallas is DT three, or I guess the first DT off the, off the bench. So uh, in the second rotation and Maverick Hansen's there, hopefully Alex Vance wins like healed from the ACL injury. You're probably at five there. If I'm not missing someone, you want six, um, definitely, so that you you will always have two full rotations up until maybe a third guy gets injured on you on the year. Um, mm. And maybe you want three rotations as a whole. So I, I'd take one more flyer DT, like just just a guy maybe with two, three years of eligibility that can be a body. And then maybe a, maybe a best available at pretty much any position on the entire roster except maybe quarterback and maybe running back. And then maybe another defensive end as well. Cause like you have Bogle coming yeah. back. We'll see about Zion Young. Probably not. Um, but you don't have guy. And then like obviously Joan Thompson flashed at the end of the year. You have By Job. You have right. um, Andrew DePape. Like you don't have a lot of guys that are proven commodities. So I'd like a proven commodity there. But kind of just running through the roster, those are the positions that come to mind. And hey, maybe if there's a guy that's a really good corner that you think would be an upgrade, a tangible upgrade over these guys, um, why not get a shutdown corner if you can? If you have the means. Sure. So with both sides of the ball here, this is a probably a hard question. I'll let you be the judge of this. What position group has seen their stock rise the most ever since the transfer portal opened? Or I guess you could just say since December 1st, ever since let's say when Jonathan Smith took over here, is there one position group that you're feeling a lot better about now than you were about six, seven weeks ago? Quarterback. Um, 
That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, go from zero just... guys to, yeah. <laughs> um, linebacker does not have the varied skill sets that I would want, but the room mm-hmm. as a whole was wildly thin when they got here, and it's not as thin anymore. Um, yeah. Defensive tackle, like especially if you're giving the data December oh, yeah. 1st, which I believe like by then Harmon was in the portal. Um, yeah. And then there was rumors that Barrow might have might be entering, and then – you were yeah. not sure about like if they would even be able to get someone as good as like a, a Jarrett Jackson or a Dre Butler like last year. And Dallas is definitely mm-hmm. better than those guys. So that's come a long way. Um, so those positions definitely stick out. But yeah, like quarterback, like obviously Aiden Childs is is the guy there. But like even the backup quarterback spot, I didn't know if they'd be able to get a guy like that, like Schuster. And then they got two freshmen. Um, both of those guys look like they have great tape. Obviously, everyone looks good on the highlights because it's their best plays. And I admittedly haven't seen the full games from any of these guys, but I like what they look like at their best. Um, and that does speak to their ceiling. So all four of those quarterbacks, we'll see. Obviously, they're not all gonna all gonna be here a few years from now. Maybe Charles has two good years and goes to the NFL, or even if not gone in three years, and one of those two freshmen most likely would transfer based on how the odds go. But I like the options that they've given themselves here. And, and I think that they can hit on at least a couple of them. And I got to go with the offensive line here because uh, yeah, Lord knows the listeners know that I, I was brought near to tears uh, just when <laughs> we were looking at the outlook for the offensive line room, because was it great shakes last fall? No, not at all. But when everyone starts to leave, it's like, Oh my God, like we, we don't have anything right now, but Jonathan Smith, he brings back some talent. Already on this team, guys like Gino Vandermark, uh, Boyd, Baldwin, Phillips. So that was nice. And then adding on the inside, Tanner Miller, too. And then, hey, maybe even Luke Newman, the Holy Cross transfer, FCS All-American. That would be the cherry on top. So going from, holy crap, we got to replace nine guys from the offensive line room last year. Aiden Childs is really fun, but who's going to block for him to, okay, you can actually see like a 2D forming with some talent on the front line. like. Okay, yeah. cool. So that's why I got to go with offensive line here. That's a good um, point as well. Hey, thanks, man. I, I, I'm just yeah. trying my best today. Uh, <laughs> now, we do have to get to some breaking news here, uh, and we're going to help Michigan State uh, through these waters here, JT. Louisiana big times us, which, like, mm. what the hell? Like, how does that even happen? Like, that that the group of five school tells a power five school that, nah, we're, we're going to cancel this game coming up in a few months here, which in the world of scheduling games, a few months – might as well be 11.59 p.m. when you got the due date of midnight. Like, this is very right. short notice here for Michigan State. Not good. So, September 14th, that's the week three game, sandwiched between at Maryland and then at Boston College. Yep. We we need a date, JT. And uh, just like I said, a lot of these schedules are already formed years in advance, so it's hard to find a school. But let's go shopping. Let's go shopping. What, what, yeah. what are we going to do here for our boys? So there's two kind of ways that they can approach this. They can approach this as let's go ahead and absolutely take the easiest road possible. We have a first year head coach. Let's make sure that he gets to a bowl game no matter what. You already have in a way power five game scheduled in Boston College. Let's just go ahead, leave it at that. That can be their one kind of challenging game they play. Tom Herman coming to town in week one is also no joke. Um, So just schedule an FCS school and call it a day. The other option would be, hey, let's kind of surprise some people and show them we are way ahead of the rebuild. Let's schedule another Power 5 team. I don't know which ones would have a slot open. I don't know necessarily how feasible that is. That's not really my forte. I would assume it would be very difficult to go that route. But even if it's not, 
I would I would prefer that they go the first route anyway if they want to build this right. You don't really have an incentive on playing a harder team. I get the argument that now that there's an expanded playoff, you can afford to lose an extra game. But yeah, like just don't just don't lose an extra game. That would be ideal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Matt, let me ask you, uh-huh. setting aside the the rational side that I just said there. If you could just choose any game, you'd have to worry about sort of how feasible it is or who else they're playing that week, any of that. If you could choose any game for Michigan State to play this year, who would you choose just from a like a fantasy world perspective? Like entertainment, like I, I want yes. the crowd to be entertained standpoint. Oh, yeah. and there's only one school that I have in mind, and we're going to fly all the way across the country to Corvallis, Oregon, to take on the Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, we uh, run. We do not walk. We run into that grind to – Look, I feel sick for Oregon State fans. This is for like the six accounts on Twitter that are just a little too annoying and for the seventh week in a row are still dragging out all their crying about Jonathan Smith and still talking about Michigan State constantly. Like, okay, as if we didn't make your life bad enough, you seven loudmouths over there. Uh, we're just going to buzzsaw what's ever left of your Beaver team out there and just make it an unholy bloodbath here at Spartan Stadium. So that's what I would do if like money and scheduling didn't exist. but. JT, since it does exist and we need to find an opponent, yes. I would like to schedule yes. Western Michigan's cross-country team for week three. I, I want the worst <laughs> opponent possible. Like, I'm not I'm not going to put on this facade of saying, like, oh, iron sharpens iron, it's early season, let's build up the boys with a hard team, anyone, anywhere, anytime. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. no. There's enough of that during the season, okay? There is plenty Plenty right. of tough teams. All right. Give me, and hey, if, if you listen to the other show I do, Locked on Spartans, you've already heard where I'm going to go with this next. JT, there is a team out there that is yes. in the FCS ranks yes. that does not have a schedule right now. I don't know how that works. Everyone else in their conference teams have a schedule. They do not have a schedule right now. Delaware State, not even the ones with the winged helmets that Joe Flacco used to play for. I'm not even talking about that Delaware. I'm talking about Delaware State, 1-10 last year. They are atrocious. Bring them in for a date, Spartan Stadium, beat them by 9,000 points, but also give them a check for $1.3 million or something like that because this is a program that is in dire need. They have former players going out to the media pleading, begging for any shred of support, and JT, Delaware State hasn't gotten a Power 5 check since 2017 when West Virginia played them. All that they have is just a whole lot of nothing. But we are going to be their white knight in the night and give them some payday, some dough, some cheddar, if you will, JT. And also a nice 79-3 to win uh, to pack them up on their way. So really, we're scratching each other's backs. We're going to support their program for the next few years with this nice check. And they're going to come in here to kind of just lay down and be the sacrificial lamb for us uh, at Spartan Stadium. So that's it. For reference for how this game could go, Penn State played regular Delaware, the Blue Hens. (laughs) Oh, boy. And they beat them 63-7. to Now you're not even talking about the regular one. You're talking about the (laughs) one that is like the lower version of Delaware. The JV Delaware, right. Yes, JV Delaware. Yeah, so (laughs) I would like to see it. That I would like to see. So that's like I, mean, I, I know I come off as like joking, but like no, that is actually like my honest suggestion. Right. Like I, I like dead at like no, that's a hundred percent what I am proposing here. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, plus, like it'd be cool. Like 
a lot of casuals don't know Jonathan Smith's like name and suddenly like Bleacher Reports tweeting like Michigan State beats Delaware State 103 to 6. Like yeah, that'd be a that'd be a cool yes. way to just kind of get trending. Some some sure. younger kids get to know the name. So definitely be, be in favor of that. Oh my god, it'd be great. Aiden Childs eight touchdowns in the first half against Delaware State. Oh, let's go. <laughs> it's 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 gonna be pure cinema. And uh yeah, I guess it's just Delaware State, but if you don't think I'll just be watching every minute of that game, cheering my face off, kind of like how the who 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 fought in the Coliseum back in the day? The, the Romans were cheering on the lion eating the the gladiator in there. Like, I, yeah, I'm I'm gonna be doing it. I'll be running that yeah, that whole history back. So yeah, yeah. I I haven't seen the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe in about 15 years. So I couldn't answer that. Never seen a point. You've point, never so, seen uh, it. That's true. No, of course, no. Please, I haven't even seen the trailer for that, but. <laughs> It's not going to stop me from making a reference. No, absolutely not. So, okay. I'm glad we got that out of the way. I know Alan Haller watches this show every single time that we record. So uh, yeah. I'm sure he's on the horn with the uh, Delaware State Athletic Director, whose name sure is a nice name uh, any minute now. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, yeah, yeah. I like that. You solved it. Nice. Speaking of things that need to be solved, Matt. <gasps> Sorry. Go ahead. Go. Go. You first. You first. One thing that must be solved: the vacancy in Tuscaloosa for a new head coach. Because I mean, Matt, for the first time in 17 years, us two have the same amount of national championships as the head coach at Alabama. Because there is none, as the great Michigan State product Nick Saban has stepped aside. We did it. This is very interesting for, for a myriad of reasons. Or is it myriad? It's probably myriad, right? Oh, myriad. please. You're close enough either way. Yeah, you're Sounds fine. Good. You're fine. For yeah. an abundance of reasons. Hey, there we go. Nice. For, for a superfluous amount of reasons. Oh, have oh my God. Oh, stunt on these. Wow. <laughs> there has been chatter now since this has been reported that Alabama expects to have a head coach in the next 72 hours. Or at least that's, that's, what, they were, that's what they told the team. That's quick. Now, we'll talk about Saban and his impact and all that, but that's very wild to me because, it, like, let's say there's a Dan Lanning like done deal, right? And like that's that's been done. That's been done. The fact that nobody knew that Saban was retiring, like I'm talking about his closest confidants are telling oh, yeah. ESPN right now that that they're shocked. Um, 
he was interviewing assistants this morning and yesterday. Um, like the, nobody saw this coming. Like Stephen A. I don't know. It's probably exaggerating because it's Stephen A. But he went on ESPN and said he talked to Saban last week, and they were talking about like next week and or next season and all that. Like nobody saw this coming, and now you're telling me that Alabama has the next coach done deal and wrapped up. Like if that's true, just the, the way this was done was just impeccable. Like I, yeah. I guess like say it's landing and, and Saban. Saban goes and he calls landing two days ago, and he's like, "Dan, if you want to be the next head coach of this program." Um, here's the job. Just you're not allowed to tell anybody. Otherwise, it's all going to fall apart. They're probably going to have like better people reach out. Someone from the NFL is going to come running here. So you better keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Dan's like, yeah. yeah, sure. I got it. No doubt. But then like when you start talking numbers and agents get involved and Jimmy Sexton has to go and make sure that other eight, other kind of clients of his are approached and they can get their raises and he has a fiduciary responsibility and all that. Like, I just yeah. don't understand how all of this gets so quietly seamlessly transition to the next coach in the next 72 hours but right. allegedly that's uh, maybe happening. maybe it's just naive of me but is it just as simple as when alabama calls you pick up and you start talking to them like it, it doesn't have to be this painstakingly launched thing like that is the one program in the nation that yeah. can just go shopping for almost almost whoever they want save like kirby smart i don't think they can go get him yeah maybe not Ryan day maybe not harbaugh but like it, it's less than a handful right. because there's even Steve Sarkeesian is, is like being thrown around right now. He's right. at Texas for crying out loud. Do you know how much yeah. money and resources and history they have there? It's like, yeah. if you could push the Texas head coach, Oh, yeah. So like, maybe it just is that easy where, all right, saving steps aside and the Dan Lane is already on that jet because he knows right. that cool clock is ticking. Time to sit yeah. down for an interview with them. I, maybe that's naive of me. Maybe it is. No, I, I, th- I think there is some validity to that because I don't think they'll even be able to land Sark. So then you have kind of already, <laughs> you've already weeded out like five guys and then who's left. It's, it's Dan Lanning. It's yeah. Davo Sweeney who I think would, would burn the program to the ground. <sighs> Uh, that would not be good. Yeah. Um, and um, like Kalen DeBoer, I've been talking about October, how I think that he's he has some fraudulency to him with um, kind of Nick Shirt and handing him Michael Penix, then yeah. Jake Hayner being handed to him, and then him just getting Penix again and, and hurting an elite wide receiver room and Ryan Grubb not leaving his side, not even willing to go to Alabama. Like it's just a culmination of a perfect storm that got him here. I, I think there's some fraudulency there. And then um, – I don't even know who the fourth candidate would be. So, like, at that point, if you're Alabama, you're thinking, all right, it's Dan Lanning. Like, that's how easy it is. So I, I do see some validity to that. I guess, like, you really don't need to have started talking numbers until tonight. Um, oh, so yeah. maybe agents and stuff didn't need to be involved. Saban just simply needed to call Lanning a day or two ago and just say, hey, you're going to take this job. And he said yes, and the process starts today and should be done in three days. And that's probably the best, most realistic way it went down. But Saban. The guy probably is yep. the best coach of yeah. of our generation. Like I never got to see John Wooden. Um, I think what he's done is more impressive than than Bill Belichick. Um, he has done it with kids recycling through every four years. Um, he didn't have Tom Brady at the helm for fifteen years, uh, so I or however many twenty something years. So I think he's the greatest coach of all time in in this era of sports. Um, I don't know if you agree or disagree or have a, a strong opinion, but. It's uh, oh, that's tough. That's quite really quite tough. the day. Um, I mean, Tom Izzo was really good. So like that, I'm just gonna yeah. throw, throw that one out there right now. Um, Fair. oh boy, that is a really good one because yeah, you could say that like oh he just always gets the best recruits and like of course he won all yeah. the time, but like he also did it at LSU, right? And he continued it at Alabama and the Alabama he took over 
Yeah. Not, not, in, not in great shape. And look, there are other programs in the nation that get top flight recruits, but they don't right. win at a clip that he does. And I want to go to a tweet right now. This is from Jason Starrett. He tweets, my favorite Nick Saban stat, even if you exclude Alabama's six national title winning seasons under Saban, the Tide still had the best overall win percentage in the FBS since the start of the 2009 season at a .86. So that just goes to say, even when he wasn't winning titles, he was putting immaculate teams on the field still. It wasn't like, oh, you know, every once in a while they had a six and six season or, oh, okay, it was, you know, a really good year and then some down years and then work his way up. Like, no, no, no. This man had the tide on point every single season, basically, like once he got the machine turning early on. So it it is amazing what he was able to do there. And Hey, started yeah. here in East Lansing. Let's go. Yeah. Or t- Toledo, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to build an agenda. <laughs> First he power coaching job is what matters, Matt. Thank you. You, you got it. Thank you. Yeah, go. like, it's just unprecedented what he's done. And, like, personally, I think, like, it'll never be done again. I think maybe the Kirby Smart is positioned to maybe get to six, seven titles. Yeah. Just from the fact that, like, right now, there's nobody left in college football at a dominating level other than him, like, Ryan Day is like a mega fraud. Um, Dabo Sweeney's cooked. Um, Big really, there's there's nobody at any other like there's nobody at Florida or Georgia or Florida or Auburn that scares you. Texas and M. I guess we'll see what Elko does. Like Oregon is like what the second most threatening program from a stability resources perspective behind uh, Georgia now. Long. If not Harbaugh long. if Harbaugh leaves <laughs> Michigan, like right. I don't know, like what like if. Like, I guess he can do it. But my point was, is like, there is, it's so hard in the modern era of parody. Like, not when you're playing yeah. like Ypsilanti Community College and beating them by 100, like before there was color TV, like today yeah. to win six titles at one school and, and like no scandal, which I'm sure being in the SEC helps. And there's no really any sort of down year of two years like you missed on a quarterback before the portal era and like you didn't just have like two seven and six seasons like out of nowhere like mm-hmm. i don't know I, I just don't think anybody will, will be able to replicate this like no matter how hard they try but we'll see kirby's kirby's gonna have a shot but i don't know if he does it well and, and also on a real note like to borrow from tom isn't what he's on at michigan state it's just hard to see a guy stay at a school for that long. Right. Like whether it's donor pressure, whether it's the NFL calling. And of course we all know what happened with Saban is two years mm-hmm. in the NFL. It just did not work out, but still the staying power of being somewhere. What was it? 14 years, I believe at Alabama like that. That's hard to come by in college sports, no matter how successful you are. Like it's just even to not be pulled away one, yeah. one way or another. So like, even that is hard to do to see yeah. it last that long with that, lot of stability and great so, so many different assistants too like this oh god like, every year right yeah. that program was just him um every every several years like he'd probably look around and be none of the players and none of the assistants nobody that right. like it's not like the nfl where it's like um oh like it's this pairing of this gm and this coach like they went the distance for like a seven-year run or anything yeah. like that like it's just every few years resets and it was just him and you guys come in and they're not fatigued, but like the shine's not wearing off. The impact is there on a daily basis for 17 years. Now you're going to look around and college football is not going to have Nick Saban there. And I guess obviously from like a Michigan state fan perspective, everyone's probably like good, like one less team that you kind of have to worry about automatically losing to kind of every year in the playoff type of thing. And that's true, but I don't know. He, since, um, since I was, Six years old, seven years old, he's been at Alabama. So I don't even know college football kind of without Nick Saban. Wow. So 
it'll be it'll be interesting times next season and in the future for sure. Man, I I think I got to go with him as the best coach then because it it, yeah. it was Belichick forever, but like he in the last few years has like anointed yeah. himself as like I'll call it yeah a fraud. Sure, whatever. Um, Gino Ariama also, he employed he employed Matt Patricia for so many years. See, and that is what ultimate and like I'm not kidding when I say this. Like that is ultimately something that like I use as a huge huge right. check mark against him. It's like how can you be so stupid to just hand the keys over to the biggest idiot I've seen patrol a sideline in any football stadium he graces and like that that's the strike against you. you you're you're however many Super Bowls he won. What was it? Six Super Bowls he won. All negated because that you just kept on giving Matt Patricia duties, especially on the offensive side of the ball later in his career. Like you have to be a senile, mentally sick person to be able to do that. But he's not. He's just like kind of a questionable coach. So I know it's a little hot takey, but man, you know what? We're we're at minute number 47. No one's listening anyway. So might as well pop a few takes off right now. Um <sighs> Gino Ariama was a good one though, but like yeah. I, Back then, the landscape of women's college basketball wasn't what it is today. Yeah, the parody is not what it is now, yeah. Oh, God. Gino could have just unlocked the locker room doors and, like, still gotten as many national titles as he did back then with how women's basketball was. But anyway, Nick Saban, there it is. Um, JT, do you want to be held hostage a little longer so we could talk for a few minutes about basketball here? Because Let's go ahead and do that. It was fun for five games. It was was – some say – a certified hoot and a half for five games. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about the three on 34 Pistons. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now you're trying to make me sad. Now you're trying to make me hey, sad. Hey, um, you, you went along on the Matt Patricia segment. Yeah, no, that's 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 fair. I'm sorry about that. You know, yeah, actually, you know, one of the saddest moments of like the uh, end of the year was is when I got the text that the Pistons finally won. I was really hoping they could drive that losing streak up to 40 games. <laughs> that was the number I wanted to see. I wanted to see them hit a hard four zero, uh, but no, unfortunately, they yeah. they fell 11 games short. Whatever it was, you, but. you know, Matt, when I was watching the process era Sixers, the the one that went yeah. 10 and 72 or nine and 73 <laughs> or whatever it was. Right. Um, it was like their second or third game of the year and they were playing the Warriors and it wasn't the Warriors. Like it wasn't like the team uh-huh. that ended up setting the record, but it was like two years before that. And like there was like okay. Steph was there and stuff. They came out and they beat the Warriors in like the third game of the season. I'm like, uh, all right, like maybe, maybe they could go. sneak in as like an eight seed, a nine seed. Like they didn't have any good players. Like Andrew Bynum sat the whole season out. Like Royal Ivy was a starting point guard. Tony Roten was just playing like it was hoop mixed save season. Like I knew they weren't going to be good, but they do that. And then they go like 10 and 72 all year long. And um, it was good. It builds character. So you guys should enjoy it. And uh, the, the road at the end will be even more painful when you lose in the Eastern Conference quarterfinals every year like the Sixers do. Great callbacks there with those player names, man. But yeah, no, the Pistons had the same start to the season. Like that, they won two games, and during the offseason, like there are some sick fans that were saying, "Hey, eight seed." Or in this day and age in NBA basketball with the play-in tournament, like you have to go out of your way to miss the playoffs now, like to not even be included in the play-in. <laughs> and the Pistons aren't even going to be thirty games back of the play-in. Like it's 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 tough shakes here in Detroit. So you know what? I'm glad we talked about the Pistons. 
because that makes Michigan State on the court not seem all that bad. All they did was just lose to Northwestern. And, like, who isn't doing that these days? Who isn't losing on the road in the Big Ten, actually, these mm. days? If you're hitting the road anywhere, oh, yeah. boy, well, unless it's Ann Arbor. Uh, the, the Grim Reaper is coming for you. I don't care if you're number one Purdue. I don't care if you're Penn State. Like, it, it's it's tough to hit the road again. Yeah. So Penn State was a bad example for what they just did. But, um, yeah, it's just tough. So, with that said, Thursday night. Illinois, the computers have you losing this game by 4.3 points, but mm. <sighs> Terrence Shannon out for Illinois, Michigan State on paper. Like, I, I know the game was ugly against Northwestern, the final score, but on paper, and even the eye test, it's like it wasn't all that bad of a game from Michigan State. No. Yeah, not they at are all. Off a five game losing streak. Is there any optimism going into this one against the Illini? I honestly didn't see a lot of, like you just said, like I didn't see a lot of negative kind of. Okay, so like the 26 minutes with no points, no rebounds, no assists from one player in particular, like that, that didn't right, help. Right, right, right. But everywhere else that, in the yeah, box, that goes or the like, game, it's like, eh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, that's that's just going to happen every few games. So, um, kind of just used to that by now. But with, with kind of where I was coming from, there it was like after the game, like Izzo was kind of furious and he said, like, it wasn't Spartan basketball. and I mean, it's good to see, like, the, the standard is high, yeah. and that's his job. But, like, I kind of really wasn't feeling that way about it. It's like they made a ton of tough shots. Um, th- they got out-rebounded, but that was – the center position has just been that way. Like, that's just not – it's not necessarily effort. Like, they're just – this roster has been constructed in yeah. a way where the center position's not good enough against most teams they play against. Um, and that kind of is just, like, I didn't really see, like, a lack of effort there. Like, I thought – um, it was just a game that they just lost. Like it was a simple loss. It wasn't they came out of sleep and I don't know. Izzo sees it differently. He knows his guys better. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people listening to this are wrong, but I thought they just simply mm-hmm. got beat and that was the end of it. I think so too. And look, not, not to just, you know, be a blind defender of all things Michigan state, because look, if, if you don't think that I just talked to me or not talk to me about this team after losses, go listen to me after any <laughs> other loss. But with the rebounding thing, like if you go back and watch the first half, they gave up eight offensive rebounds. Sure, there were some that were boxed out base or whatever, but there were some that were just really odd bounces that just mm-hmm. went Northwestern's way that there's nothing that even boxing now can do about right. that. Like namely, well, how about the shot that went off the side of the freaking backboard, went right to a Northwestern player, and then a oh, little floater, two points. Like yeah. there was just stuff like that where it's like, I've, I don't think I've ever seen in the history of watching basketball a ball bounce off the rim quite like that. But – Again, I, like this wasn't the whole story of the game, but it was just stuff like that. And sometimes I hate to do this, but you just got to tip your cap to Northwestern, a team that's beat us three times in a row, and that's never acceptable. But, yeah, it, I, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was during the game. Like when I looked back at it, watched a little bit more of it, it's like, Sometimes you just gotta chalk it up to the game as the game, man. I, I I don't know. That's it was it has not been like that the whole season. Like there are some losses that have just been disgusting and inexcusable, but I, that wasn't it for me on yeah the game. So yeah, I don't know. I think that right now they are in a tough spot because you lose to Illinois and you're one and three in the conference. But that's like not fun. One right. and four in the conference. One and four, right? sorry, yeah. Like but at the same time, like, I don't look at this team and I say, all right, this is a disaster. Pack it up, which is what you should be saying at one and four in the conference play. So it's, oh, yeah. it is tricky. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, right. no, I don't think weird. they're going to win the national title. 
I thought before it's the just in. Okay. Wow. I thought they probably would have like the third, fourth kind of. I thought like Kansas and Duke would be up there, and they obviously like have. Well, Kansas is really good, but like Duke has been shaky, and Michigan right. State's not in that spot where I thought they'd be. But like, I don't know. The, it, the season's entertaining. The season's good. Like obviously, the first few, the first two, three weeks are just horrible, like indefensible. No, it like, sucked. Sucked. Like, like in, in the five game win streak, like you never saw me like go over there and be like, "Haha, where's all the people that were talk like they were talking about the season being like." Those games are disappointing. Like they were insanely disappointing. Like nobody should be let off the hook for that. But um, like the the next five games, like destroying Baylor, like part of the fan experience is not just the the banner at the end of the season and and the national title. It's like on a daily basis, do you enjoy kind of saying my team plays tonight? Right. So like for a good part of the season, I think that will be the case. And hey, maybe it's this was as good of a shot for Izzo to get number two, and maybe he doesn't get it, but. The end of the day, you know, like I'm not as down on the season as kind of I was after the first two weeks, and I, I think I think on a daily basis they can go out there and beat anybody, and that's kind of all you can ask for. And we'll see what happens against Illinois. I don't know the exact metrics of how how Illinois looks without Terrence Shannon, and whether or yeah. not necessarily um, that hurts them as much. Because I think I think there's there's some merit to kind of Illinois fans, or maybe I don't even know if it's Illinois fans, but there's discourse out there that they kind of look more cohesive when. Mm-hmm. Terrence Shannon's not dominating the ball, and I don't know necessarily if that's true or not, but we'll find out. We'll find out kind of how that plays into things, and we'll see. I think they have a sense of urgency. Um, AJ Hogar, right after the game, said that Illinois is a must-win no matter how you slice it. Um, so I like where their head is at, and um, after how mad Izzo was after last game, I think they'll definitely come out focused, and we'll see what happens after that. Because, JT, if they win – and this is just the perfect yin and the yang of the fan experience here, especially for Michigan State basketball fans who are always at either end of the major spectrum here. It's been not fun so far this season. The loss was not fun against Northwestern. A lot of people are crying for the NIT to just start already. But, however, JT, you beat Illinois. You're one game mm. back at Purdue in the Big Ten chase. <laughs> like, is it time to start believing again? <laughs> like, is it like, can we all just be roped back in that quickly? Because let me tell you, I think I can. Because a handful of games after that, yeah. you get two at home, you hit the road to Maryland. Maryland stinks this year. And it's, yeah, I, 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 hey, I, I, hand up. I will be drinking that Kool Aid immediately if, if the final buzzer sounds against Illinois and we're coming on a top 72 to 71. Like, oh, yeah, Big Ten title. <laughs> Back in play, baby. That's right. Yeah. One game back of the boilers. So that's that's where I am at delusion wise. Uh yeah, this is fun. Yeah, not a bad take. I think um Thanks, Purdue, man. man, like if this is not the year they finally make a final four. I don't know what I think like, it is though. I think it is. I, 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 I yeah. You know, I thought that. I thought that until they lost to a Northwestern team, they lost to Chicago State. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? It's kind of valid after seeing Michigan State play them. And then Northwestern almost loses to Penn State tonight. They win by four. I don't know what to make of anything. We'll just we'll wait till March. We'll see what everyone is, and then because I right now I have no idea. No, it's it's tough out here. Yeah. Do you have any idea about the NFL playoffs though? I know we're going way off on a tangent here. Mm. This has nothing to do with Michigan State. I, I'm sure there's a few Spartans playing in the, in the, in the playoffs coming up, but we don't have to yes. talk yes. about that. Eagles but, linebacker uh, Ben Van Sumeren. starting um, linebacker Ben Van Sumeren. May I add? Let's just sprinkle that in there really quick. In, in week 16, yes. Um, uh, Jaden Reed, obviously. Um, course, Kenneth Walker yeah. nearly missing. Um, yeah. Who will have a new head coach next year? 
Sorry, you, what uh, do you, you broke think, Matt? There. Uh, I said Kenneth Walker, who nearally missed the playoffs, who will have a new head coach next year. Um, what do you make, Matt, of the NFC playoff picture in terms of – because I have a take, but – yeah. And I've also already told you this take, so it doesn't help. Like, I can't hold it in a suspenseful manner. I probably forgot it. I probably forgot it, yeah. So the way that I see it, and the reasons, let me start with the reasons first. The Cowboys. I have never in my life, literally in my entire life since I've been born, 1998, I've never seen the Cowboys win two playoff games in the same postseason. Sure. I'm pretty sure, because I think they only have four playoff wins since 96. Um, Sounds I do not believe that Kyle Shanahan and his cowardly ways of calling plays in the playoffs and his team being mentally soft can go to a Super Bowl. Okay. I do, not with Brock Purdy as their quarterback. No. I do not, I do not believe the Packers can go all the way to the play, to the Super Bowl. The Eagles are finished. The Eagles wouldn't beat Cast Tech. Um, if they somehow beat <laughs> the Buccaneers, I fire everyone on the Buccaneers. Um Matt Patricia is coming off the, the two weeks ago. Matt Patricia put together the worst defensive performance in the DVOA era since they started keeping stats. He is put that together true? the yes, he put together the worst performance by success rate in 17 years since an Eagles wow. 2006 loss, I believe. Um, wow. This is the worst Eagles collapse ever that I've ever seen. Okay. It's and tough. they literally cannot they cannot cover anybody in the middle of the field. They cannot rush the passer somehow, mostly because they can't cover anyone in the middle of the field and the slants are open all game. Jalen Hurts has literally nowhere to throw anytime a team blitzes. They have no hot reads in the offense. They have no routes that's – there's no semblance of any crossing route. There's no semblance of a slant. Their whole offense is out routes 15 yards down the field – Opposite hash, making Hurts make the hardest throws. And, hey, Matt, Wink Martindale, you know what he does? He likes to blitz. Guess mm. what the Eagles do, Matt, against 80% blitzes? They have zero solutions yeah. for the blitz in year three yeah. of this offense. Zero yeah. solutions. It's Hurts, get the ball, do some hero ball stuff, even though the only routes we give you are four verticals. And, hey, we're not going to use a really good offensive line to our advantage in the running game. So it's just go out there and just, hey, do something. And um, anyway, basically my point is the Eagles are not making the Super Bowl. The Buccaneers are not making the Super Bowl. I like the, the idea of, of Sirianni telling Jalen Hurts in the headset, ah, just do something. Ah, I don't know. Just <laughs> go for it. I have, I've never seen anything. Like, like people say, like, people say, like, all right, like, he can't be as bad as Jay Johnson or, like, <laughs> this can't be the worst offensive coordinator you've ever seen. Okay, maybe in a oh. vacuum, like maybe Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, no more oh, ball man. than Jay Johnson. But if you gave anybody, AJ Brown, mm. Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Lane Johnson, yeah. Jason Kelsey, Cam Jurgens, Landon Dickerson, Jordan Mailata, Jalen Hurts, Dev- <sighs> like you cannot give anybody oh, no. these pieces and, oh, and no. not even figure out how to handle a blitz. 
they don't even Matt, they don't even run the ball more than two times in a drive. If they ever feel like ever going in the short yardage game, they'll just throw a bubble screen to Julio Jones, who's like 45 years old, and they'll have yeah, 112 yeah. pound Devontae Smith blocking for him, who gets hurt doing this every other time. That AJ Brown's on this side throwing temper tantrums as he should. <laughs> anyway, Matt, the escape rooms they're planning for team chemistry are not going to help when the coaches are asking. No, them. so no, they're not. <laughs> all the way back to my take that I started this topic with. Those teams I listed cannot make the Super Bowl for the reasons I stated. The two teams yeah. I have not listed are the Rams and the Lions. Yeah. It is my I belief. Noticed. It is I my noticed. belief that the winner of the Rams and Lions game is the NFC representative for the Super Bowl. What do you think about this take? No, I I don't think it's too far from the truth because yeah, the Niners, like, they are amazing all over the field. But once you see Brock Purdy look like that against the Ravens, like an actual serious team, it's like I I, I can't bet on Brock Purdy to, like, to, to do anything of substance in the playoffs. I'm sorry. I'm sure he's a great kid. No offense to the guy. But, like, when it's big boy football in the playoffs, I, I just can't trust him. The Cowboys, I was in full faith of them. But then the Lions defense of all units shut them down a few weeks ago. It's like I don't trust this team anymore if you're letting the Lions, who let Nick Mullins throw for 800 yards combined against them. And you guys did it you guys did it at Jerry's World where nobody's done it. Correct. But but everybody has done it to the Cowboys on the road pretty much. Pretty much everybody. Yes. Yeah. So I am right with you. I feel like the Packers, I don't have anything analytical. I just think like the, the magic ride has to end for them eventually. But I am with you. I'm going to wrap this up and be short here. And I'm going to just have my crisis right now because, uh, JT, I, I'm a Lions fan. Uh, I feel sick about this game. I would have feel, felt sick about this game if we were playing Divine Child High School. Like I, the first playoff game at home in 30 years, there's going to be a lot of anxiety. But the fact that this is Day and Dylan Senda. One time for Theo Day and Dylan Senda. Yes, good call right there. But um, I'm scared of Brian Allen's Rams. I, mm-hmm. I'm scared of – I'm scared. I'm terrified of the Rams. And I pointed that out, too, after they, against all odds, beat the 49ers in Week 18, which if you watch that game, which I watch every single play, I can't believe how far the Niners went out of their way to lose that game, dropping every conceivable pass. Anyway, I'm not – nope, I'm over it. After that game, I tweet out, great, it's it's Stafford and the Rams. And people are in my mentions being like, oh, grow a pair. Or, oh, you're soft. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, uh, 100% I'm soft. I do not want to see a Rams team that's 7-1, and one, that has two receivers in Cooper Cup and Pukunakua that could hang up 150 yards each on this line secondary. And, oh, by the way, the guy slinging the ball is playing some of silently the best football of his career the last few months so no i yeah i am soft no i will not grow a pair i will be terrified of this game because the rams look amazing on offense and we're not going to waste too much time on this but the defense ain't looking too shabby either over there so yeah uh i'm already spiraling it's three days no four days until kickoff and i i feel like i should be in a padded room with a straight jacket on so it's yeah yeah well so you we're two hope. very optimistic fans about our teams right now. This is you. Yeah. You better hope that Jimmy Lake and the LA Rams do not have the Lions' offense in a straitjacket. But you know, Matt, I believe the Lions will win. I believe Thank that continued sustained success that we've seen throughout the year will continue here into the playoffs. With that said, putting money on the Lions is not great value. Well, it's pretty good value. But you know what's great okay. value, Matt? And the team that I think has the second best chance of winning the NFC, 
is who I bet on along with the Ravens. So again, this is not going to work because this camera doesn't focus for some reason, but just proof that there's a screenshot on my phone. Sure. $20.50 on the Rams and the Ravens to play in the Super Bowl wins you $1,000. So if Lions fans are looking to hedge their bets, that is an opportunity to do so. Uh, but it'd be a really big shame if the Rams beat the Lions and then just lose next round. So maybe, maybe not the best bet. Um, and then the only other bet that I have is a $3 bet for the exact score of the Buccaneers Eagles game to be 27 to 16 to win over $1,500. So that are, those are my two best bets. Locks. Hold on. 27, 16. Who has the 27? Who has the 16? The Buccaneers. I was afraid so. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We just really know how to keep it upbeat about our teams here. Uh, when it comes to NFL talk, um, this is the pan- this has turned into the panic room of <laughs> 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 just two guys just trying to wade their way through a wild card weekend in the NFL. This is great. Catch yeah. the fever. You know, I I would hope that it's like a forty four to six kind of loss for the Eagles, so that we can get Mike Vrabel in here kind of quickly and get this yeah. restarted, or or maybe even a even a oh I just had a I just had a nightmare scenario out of my mind. Um, no, I don't think they'd hire him, but um. Yeah, no. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Or, or, Jay, Jay Johnson? Or is, is that who you're going to say? <laughs> Ross, Ross Ells? Is that is that the name that was going to come out of your mouth? What are we... <laughs> it, it, was, it, was the, it was the guy that wears khakis and has weird glasses. And... Never mind. Oh! That, um, oh, 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 I... I, but I yeah, would no, give you like 48 hours of space before I text you or anything. Uh, I'd be yeah, done with sports. Awesome. I'd be done with sports. <laughs> um, but no, like he, yeah, no, like maybe a Ben Johnson or Mike Vrabel. So I, I hope we can yeah. just we can just twist the knife and and really get this regime out of here. So that is all I will be rooting for this weekend. Pretty passionately. And in the show note, I'll be the attitude. Look at us. Mm-hmm. I think the Lions are going to lose by 28 points and. Uh, Justin Thin thinks that the Eagles are going to get relegated to uh, the Big Sky Conference here in a little bit. They'll so. be playing in the Spanish Primera Division Two. <laughs> they will be playing Celta de Vigo next 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 fall. I was trying to come up with a name, but wow, you had that ready to go in the pocket. <laughs> that was nice. Oh, that was great. I'm wow, a lot sure, of great calls for you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Celta is still the first Premier. Like they're they're in La Liga with oh. Real Madrid, but I'll take your word for it. I'll take your <laughs> yeah. You oh, you can tell me anything right now, and I'll believe you. Yeah. No um, question. Well, I think that does it, Matt. I don't think there's anything else yeah. that, that we need to touch on. Um, uh, women's basketball, 12 and 3. Really yes. good. Second uh, from the outside of the AP top 25. They're second in receiving votes. So, really, 27th in the AP poll, if you want to yeah. get a picture like that. But no, really good season for Robin Freilich. I mean, this yeah. was a program that could have used a facelift. And, well, with her winning pedigree. Uh, yeah, I can't say I'm too surprised it's happening this quickly at Michigan State because yeah. all that she did prior to coming to Michigan State was yeah. just a win, maybe. With so. what they've done with – sorry, I think there was a, oh, a no. glitch oh, or lag there. Apart. But um, oh, that's our that's our sign to hang it up. But, the <laughs> yeah, what Robin – what Coach Coach Freilich has done in the first year, like – I think part of that model, she had a she had a couple of girls from uh, Bowling Green come over, yeah. um, kind of similar to what you're seeing Jonathan Smith do here from the football side of things, I believe. Um, so kind of that hire, and obviously, as we talked to Coach Jeff Hostler in the past, uh, women's soccer um, has been great under the new regime, and uh, obviously hockey like could go on for hours oh, yeah. and hours. Um, personally, don't have the knowledge base to go on for hours and hours, but kind of just looking from the outside, like very impressive someone. stuff there. 
Um, yeah. So, like, all the hires that kind of Haller has made have have kind of been looking good, and we'll we'll see if Jonathan Smith is another to be added to that list here. Please, just die. Yeah, we'll be good. I, I need to be happy in the fall again. I need to be happy in the fall again. I'm optimistic that we will be. Like, I, I I'm almost pretty much sold on him. But we'll yeah. see. You guys are going to need some new coordinators, and I know that Matt Patricia will be on the market. You know, I I hope he'll be on the market because. Mm, the last thing I need is them to win like two, three games here with a defensive turnaround and him, him be sticking around. Uh, yeah, are you we wearing a Bucks jersey go. or are you going to be wearing a Bucks jersey this weekend? You know, I don't you think it's going to get your here in time. Jersey on? No, I, yeah, I looked at Etsy. I was looking for some graphic tees, you know, but not going to sure. get here in time. Sorry to hear that. <sighs> just paint my face, you know, all, all weekend, go to the gym with my face painted and go to work on Monday with my face painted and call it a day. No problem. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, With that, this is the end of this week's episode of the SD4L show. That was Matt Shan. I'm Justin Thin. Make sure you like and subscribe, especially subscribe, especially like as well. And um, check us out when we're back. I think the next episode or the episode after that, I think we'll try to turn to a mailbag episode so that we can kind of interact with you guys a little more. And yeah. um Hopefully it can, we'll make it fun, throw in some non kind of sports questions in there, some sports questions, and we'll kind of hit them all. So appreciate you guys joining and uh, it was good talking to you, Matt, and we'll see you guys next time. Love you, JT. Love all you watchers, listeners. You guys are truly the best. Love all Spartan Nation. Go green, guys. Go green.